Hello, everyone. We're glad you found us, and welcome to our podcast at AntiqueAuctionForum.com. We hope you find this show entertaining and informative. This is Martin, and I am at the eBay campus, and I'm with a gentleman nicknamed Griff. Yeah. And, and how are you? Can you tell me what your position is here? Because you said you have three three different positions. Well, I have different titles, and they're, they were all made up just for me, I think. So uh, my primary uh, history with eBay has been as an instructor of others, both inside and outside the company. So I was... They, we created a title back in 2000 called Dean of Education. Ah, well, I like that. Yeah, and I don't even have a college degree. <laughs> go figure. All right. And um, I'm also currently senior manager um, of another cur- position I created called Seller Advocacy mm-hmm. and senior manager uh, with within the Seller Strategy Group. So I also work. We have a small team called Seller Strategy, mm-hmm. and we... We do a lot. There's only four of us, well, five of us in the team, but we um, gather insights and liaise in Uh in any way possible with our seller base uh, by segment from the smallest to the biggest sellers and then bring those insights to the rest of the company. And and we advocate for each one of these and we present the needs of the group, what their pain points are, what they need to uh, be successful. And uh, this is a brand new team. It's only been around for a, week, a year. It's been a very interesting year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I, I want to say to our listeners, I'm sitting in your radio station, which is pretty cool with all this equipment. Yeah, I was able to commandeer one of the phone booth rooms here, a big one, be like little. It's actually a meeting room, and uh, uh, we do the show out of this room now. Yeah, I used to do it a, out of my home. It's a live show. Yes, it's live, and yeah, we do it live twice a week, and then um, the. Every show is archived, so you can listen to it as a mm-hmm. down, as a podcast or a download. Yeah, can you explain a little bit to our listeners, like if they wanted to call in, how they'd go about that? In order to listen to the show, you, uh, you have to use your eBay user ID and log into our eBay Radio group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you go to the top of any eBay page, there's a link for community. Hover over it, click groups. Ours is the featured group, so you see it right on top. Just click it and follow the instructions to subscribe. It's no cost. Mm-hmm. And then once you've subscribed, there's on the home page of the group, you'll see the links to listen live, listen to the archives, and the phone numbers to call in during the show if yeah. you have a question or a comment or a complaint. <laughs> you never get those, right? I get them, yeah. You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm just kidding about that. Um, and can you tell this... I heard two different stories on how eBay started. Hmm. Instead of me going into those two different stories, why don't you tell me? Because you've been here right from the right from the get go, right? Pretty much, yeah. I showed yeah. up shortly after the site went live, so mm-hmm. I wasn't here in 1995 when it actually went live. Uh, I found I stumbled upon it in May of '96, but in May of '96 there was still only one or two people working on the site. So, <laughs> really? yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it was just Pierre who uh, Pierre Omidyar who was uh, working a day job as a computer programmer and had built this over Labor, uh, early, uh, late summer of 95 and then launched it on Labor Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, 
I found the site in May on the advice of a friend and was immediately hooked and spent that entire summer there. Uh, but the way it started was that uh, Pierre had been looking for a way of uh, leveraging the Internet as, as a place or a place on the Internet where people could get together socially and then trade with each other without there being a middleman, without there being much muss or fuss. Uh, you got something to sell, you can sell it. Uh, you want to buy something, you come here and he, to, to buy it. And he was trying to figure out a way to, to create a format for it. He came up with the idea that we... Well, people could put things up and people could bid on them. So he created, he's a software writer, and he created the original software for eBay. Uh, and it was, you know, auctions in the beginning. And uh, it just kind of took off. We just word of mouth with marketing. It was, like I said, he was just a single-person operation. Uh, kind of a hobby experiment and slightly aspirational. He was wondering where it could go. He believed in the power of the idea. But hmm. I don't think anyone, including Pierre, had any idea that it was going to in 15 years turn into a 16,000 employee company, but mm -hmm. there it is. Yeah. Now, there's uh, approximately how many worldwide members on eBay? So at any given time, there's probably around 85 to 100 million active users. Wow. Um, people register, but sometimes they're inactive for a while. So mm -hmm. we, we, we're not, we, we focus in on the people that are active, and it's around 85 to 100 million. 85 to 100 million. Mm -hmm. Wow. What an audience. And they're mm -hmm. in different... You have different countries. You have yeah, the worldwide, worldwide. But I mean, you have like a, are they sort of like separate eBay's? There are several several uh, eBay sites that are country specific. For example, there's an eBay UK, mm -hmm. there's an eBay France, there's an eBay Germany, eBay Italy, eBay uh, China, uh, eBay Korea, India, Australia, Belgium. Uh, there's a Norwegian or. Um, Scandinavian site, mm -hmm. and there were necessary in their own language. Uh, the UK and the Australian site are in English, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, and they. The challenge, of course, is they have to operate within their culture and within their laws. But they, yet, we're all one big company. So mm -hmm. our connection and our alignment with all of our sites globally is uh, always presents a challenge. Oh, uh, I bet. Us. Yeah, I bet. Now, if someone is searching for something on eBay. Will the search jump to another country, or does it fail? else? It depends on the, right, currently it depends on the buyer's preferences. On the left-hand side of any search results page, there's the ability for the searcher mm -hmm. to actually check a box and say worldwide, uh -huh. which will then show everything that's available to the buyer. So there may be some sellers in some countries, say, for example, in, maybe in, in the U.K., who doesn't ship outside of their out of the UK, mm -hmm. and in that case, even if they click worldwide from the US, that particular seller's items won't show up, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, be available because the seller isn't willing to ship them outside of the UK. Oh, I see. And it works the same for US sellers, so if you're a US seller and you don't want to ship outside of, uh, mm -hmm. of the US, anyone who's searching from their country site and chooses worldwide uh, won't see your item. Right, right, wow. So I didn't realize that that must be so technical when it comes to the writing of the... It was, <laughs> yeah. It's a, the, bigger the, the bigger challenge than the technical aspects of it, because there is always a solution, mm -hmm. is trying to make, make that idea of cross-border trade a lot less frictionless. Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, the world gets smaller. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, there are separate countries, separate laws, separate postal services, mm -hmm. se separate currencies, and it's not 
as easy to do cross-border trade as the Internet can provide currently. So we're, along with many other companies, are constantly Mm -hmm. looking, working with other countries within the U.S. to figure out ways to make trade between those countries a lot easier. And it's it's a big challenge. It's a much bigger challenge than the technical part of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember I started in 1997 in July, which is... Sort of on the early side. Oh, it's very uh, on eBay. Yes. Oh, you're an old timer. (laughs) You are. Well, well, I got a great name, Art Mart, and um, yeah, you did, man. Yeah. And what do you sell? I sell, you know, some antiques, some small items, some artwork. Um, I'm also an artist, so I do um, occasionally put some of my artwork on there. So tell us, what but, kind of art do you do, Martin? <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm turning you into the interviewer. Yeah, yeah, um, so I noticed back in um, how difficult it was hmm. to, to put something up the way you had to host images, and it was oh, yeah. very, very difficult. And um, But there's always, eBay is known for one thing, that's changes. There's always changes in eBay, and lots and lots of them. And they keep coming up with different platforms. And um, different ideas. Some of them are good, and some of them I'm sure you hear a lot of grumbling about. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, we do. Yeah. And I'll get into that a couple of uh, sure. a little bit of that later. Um, getting back to how eBay started, I just wanted to say quickly, even though I said I wouldn't say it, but the two rumors I heard was yeah. the Pez dispenser rumor. Okay, yes, I know that. You know that one. Yeah. And the second one was that Pierre um, had some things in his garage he was looking to sell. And the light bulb went over his head, and he said, why don't these go on the Internet? So the, the second one about the things in the garage, I've never heard oh, expressed really? either by Pierre or anyone else. Okay. Uh, I'm sure he may have had stuff in his garage, uh-huh. and, he, and a light bulb may have gone off in his head, but that's not anything we've ever heard. Okay, okay. The Pez story is actually kind of famous because it was part of our earlier um, grassroots marketing campaign. Um, right. It was, you know, we started... Because somebody said, hey, this would be a good place for me to trade Pez. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of discounted, but the, the, from my seat and how it all turned out, it wasn't a total rumor. It wasn't absolutely the reason why eBay started, but it wasn't far from the truth. As it turns out, Pierre's wife did collect, among other things, Pez dispensers, and she had been buying them on the Internet, and this mm-hmm. would be an opportunity as well. But I think the the kind of quirkiness of the idea of Pez um, struck a chord with our one of our early um, marketers this yeah. back in 1996, and uh, she kind of flew with it. Yeah, and uh, it was you know in in, in this in the it, looking back, it wasn't a bad idea, and it wasn't yeah. it wasn't dishonest either. Now I heard um, another one, but I think this one might be true. The very first thing that sold on eBay was it a broken laser pointer? It was the first thing that Pierre put up. So it's, yeah. if it wasn't the first thing that actually sold, it was the first listing because he put up the, obviously the first right. listing. And what he had was a broken laser pointer. And I guess the part of the story that doesn't get told a lot uh, is the person I'm, collected broken laser pointer. Well, I, apparently, and, and Pierre was <laughs> concerned that the person who was buying this and bidding on it was, to, you know, the bidding had gone over a few dollars, and he thought, whoa, what's going on here? So he, he actually emailed the bidder yes. and asked him, you, you know this is broken, right? And can actually be dangerous, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and the guy said, yeah, I know, I collect them. So, so right off the bat, you yeah. know, he was on to something. If there's a market for broken laser pointers, you can sell anything on yeah. the Internet. Yeah. Now, uh, I know when eBay first started, there was a lot of wannabe sites that came along trying to emulate eBay, and they—I um, don't believe any of them are still around today. 
Um, do you remember any, any of those I sites? Do. Yes, I do remember. Was UBID one of them, or am I thinking of something else? I don't think UBID was a, one of the original group. I could be wrong. The ones that I remember were, um, there was a site called Haggle.com, hmm. and uh, that one was... It, Always intriguing to me because it was uh, you could actually negotiate the price. Their software was set up that mm -hmm. set up that way. Uh, they didn't gain much traction, and then I guess they over over time disappeared. Occasionally, I'll look up the domain name to see who owns it. And mm -hmm. I guess it's been bought, sold several times. Uh, there was a place called On Sale, which actually was the probably the most. The the most I don't want to and not to be derogatory it was actually a really good copy of eBay mm -hmm. and had a great feel to it these were four guys out of Cincinnati and it was it ended up being eBay's first acquisition oh. and the reason given at the time was better to own them than compete with them <laughs> uh -huh. and uh, it was a really good buy not so much that we were able to then uh, you know take care of some comp potential competition in the future. But the four guys who ran it came to work for eBay, and they were oh. pretty brilliant. So they came oh, up with wow. some really great ideas while yeah. they were here. Yeah, yeah. You just talked about competition. Does eBay have any competition? Today? Yeah. Oh, yes. Really? Oh, initially, no. Like, but Is Amazon any type of competition? Amazon's big, yeah. a big competitor. Yes, yeah. they have a marketplace. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the, the bigger competitors are marketplaces primarily, mm -hmm. or they were. Now we're also competing with retailers as well. So uh, the online buyer has determined who's going to be the competition. And the online buyer at first was very fragmented in the early days of the Internet and e-commerce. They tended to buy only in one place, if anywhere. Mm -hmm. And now they'll be, you know, they, they'll, they'll buy wherever the experience and the deals are. As experience is good and the deals are there, they'll go and shop. So Amazon's a competitor. Kind of think of them as a competitor more from the top down. You know, they're um, almost equal to a big retailer in the sense that they sell and then they have a marketplace as well. Mm -hmm. And then another competitor would be Craigslist. Craigslist, really? yeah, Craigslist has become a huge competitor of eBay from the bottom yeah, up. Say, I can, we, I can see that when it comes to the what we would call a consumer seller, somebody mm -hmm. who's not necessarily a business but has to get rid of something. Mm -hmm. uh, the value proposition is it's quick and easy. It doesn't have a big reach because there's yeah. only local markets, mm -hmm. and there's some inefficiencies built in, in, in uh, of having to complete the sale, having people come to your homes, for example. Now, didn't I hear somewhere where eBay bought part of Craigslist? Yes. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> little strategy there. <laughs> mm, not sure. Uh, we, I, I think if I'm, I, I may be wrong. I think that the per, the percentage holding of Craigslist was about twenty five percent. And uh, without getting into the story too deep, because I may not have all the details right, uh, one of the original partners from Craigslist. I guess there were three. There are now two. Mm -hmm. uh, sold his put his shares up for sale and sold them to eBay. I see. Eventually, and we bought them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably yeah, pretty. Whether good. or not that was ever a smart move is. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not going to have a comment about that. Yeah, it has resulted in some interesting press and litigation. Let's just say that. Ah, uh huh, uh huh. You know, I, I, I deal with a lot of people in the business, and I got to tell you, when eBay first started as an auctioneer, I grew up in the auction business since 1970. Oh, you did. Active, yes. And as so, an auctioneer. As an auctioneer and cool. auction family and everything, but eBay comes along. And all of us auctioneers are panicking. Okay? Yes, I remember. And and it was uh, a dreadful. I remember I had this wonderful uh, political banner. I'm trying to remember who it was for. It was a, a very you know valuable piece. And um, I saw it in a guy's house, and he said, "Come pick it up. I got to take it down." So I went to go pick it up. And he said, "I'm sorry, I sold that on eBay." And this was back about 1998 or so. <laughs> and he goes, 
And he goes, why should I pay you 15 or 20% when I'm paying 2.5% on eBay? So I remember just then, like, we're all like, uh... So we, we felt, you know, threatened. But, of course, like everything, everything has to evolve and move. And then eventually came into eBay Live auctions. Sure. We'll yeah. talk about that a little bit, if I can. Yeah. And, and so I, I signed up on eBay, you know. Early on, 97. Early on, yeah. 97. And I decided, you know, you have to move ahead with the way things are. Yes. Now, eBay started with the mentality of the little guy, the, 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 the single person selling. And I know a lot of people have, uh, a lot of people left their jobs mm. to sell on eBay their own little private business. It's been a great platform for that to help mm -hmm. people along. There's a feeling among people that I'm hearing that eBay is heading toward big business and away from the little guy. And I wanted to hear your opinion on, on that. Yeah, of course I hear it too. Mm -hmm. I've been here to, I've long enough to hear just about everything. And, yeah. and that's, been a, um, that's been a common refrain for a lot longer than you might realize. Uh, mm -hmm. The, uh, the the marketplace originally was conceived by Pierre as a place where, and I think this is important to keep in mind, anyone could trade anything with anybody. So mm -hmm. that was his, the initial vision. Mm -hmm. um, anyone being anyone. And very early on, there were large merchants selling on eBay. Disney, Sears, there was a whole group of people. Um, interestingly enough, a lot of them had some real challenges and difficulties adapting to the B, uh, eBay model. Uh, Sears eventually left the platform because they couldn't make it work for them in a way that was uh, helpful to their customers. Today, the site has grown so much. Uh, you know, we're obviously a much bigger place, both in global reach internally with the infrastructure and the employee base, the size of the company, and with the acquisition of PayPal. Uh, I, I tell people who say that uh, eBay is no longer for the little guy to stop and think for a moment. Uh, where else can you go? right now uh, for the initial very low cost of entry and still establish a beachfront in e-commerce um, with access to an enormous amount of buyer traffic. Uh, and it's hard to press to find an answer except for, you know, perhaps there's Amazon has a marketplace as well uh, where else you can, that you can do this at this scale. Mm -hmm. um, the balancing act for us hasn't been so much keeping a, you know, the, the interests of both, the large merchants that come on eBay and then the small mom and pops balance. It's more the perception that if you let them on, if you have big merchants on, you don't want us anymore. And that's absolutely not true. The value that we realize that eBay brings is not just in value, but also in selection. And the big merchants are very good at bringing what we call in the business, deep skew. They can, if I want a particular piece of clothing, um, they can bring an enormous set of inventory. They can bring thousands of units of a piece of clothing in different sizes and different colors. And that's something that most mom and pops, some do, but most can't. What the, what the smaller sellers bring is, uh, and where they're crucial to the eBay um, environment and the universe, is that they bring the selection. So the unusual, the hard-to-find, the out-of-season, uh, the one-of-a-kind item, which there's a, an always uh, has been and always will be an enormous marketplace for those, those are the suppliers, if you would, the small merchants who bring that merchandise. And if they're not on eBay, eBay's not eBay anymore. It, just be, it becomes basically a mall full of mm -hmm. anchor stores with no small stores. And I always use the, the, that analogy because it really works. 
Um, if you go to a major mall right here in San Jose, for example, Valley Fair, the mall is anchored by stores like Macy's, uh, Nordstrom's, J.C. Penney's. Uh, Sony has a big store there. If you walk around the mall, you notice that there's more activity going on with the kiosk and the small niche stores than anywhere else. People come to the mall to shop for a special or for something at the big stores, but they stick around and they buy from the small stores as well. And that's basically the same kind of appeal that a marketplace like eBay has. It brings buyers for the daily deals to the, you know, Timberland's going to start selling on the site and they're on there now, Toys R Us. Uh, those buyers, they stick around. That we were able to merchandise to them. They find the smaller sellers and they buy from them. So it's it's crucial in our strategy of getting buyers to come to eBay in greater and greater numbers and new buyers as well that we be able to offer a competitive range of merchandise from the biggest to the smallest merchant so that everyone benefits. Uh, a little more controversial as well. Yeah, sure. Um, a, a number of people saying that you're just talking about buyers, that eBay is only in the buyer's favor, or mostly yeah, in the buyer's favor. I hear it a lot. Yeah. And um, can we talk about the strategy behind removing the feedback system for the seller? Sure. You mean to leave negatives for buyers? That's right. Yeah. yeah, the decision to do that was made in 2007 and then announced in February of 2008. And I remember um, when... The folks on the team responsible for uh, the research and then eventually the change in the policy came to me for my opinion because I've been here for so long, everyone does that. Mm -hmm. And initially I was kind of perplexed as to the reason why. Um, and then they, they shared with me the information that was coming in. And it was when we noticed that we were having an issue with buyers. And buyers are important to a marketplace, buyers and sellers. The buck kind of starts with the buyer. If you don't, you can have all the sellers in the world, but if buyers are not coming, or if they come and they walk away because their experience were bad, ultimately it's bad for the marketplace. The analogy would be: you come to the mall and you're not sure you're safe at the mall. It doesn't matter if there's a Neiman Marcus; mm -hmm. they're not going to come. And it's the same. And in, in, in what we discovered was happening at eBay was. Uh, what was an initial flaw with the feedback system that wasn't apparent until the size of eBay's marketplace grew was that buyers don't want to shop in a place where a seller can rate them either um, as retaliation for them leaving a rating for or feedback for the seller mm -hmm. or because the buyer had a bad experience and then expressed it. Um, the nature of the marketplaces anywhere else in, in commerce in general is that uh, outside of out and out fraud or criminality, merchants, sellers, retailers don't rate buyers. And buyers were finding this to be a big turnoff. So they were stopping. They're shopping on eBay. We found uh, we would go and poll buyers, and when we'd look in our database, we you know could see this was a buyer uh, who had been on eBay for several years, spent a lot of money, and suddenly stopped. And when we contacted them, a buyer in this situation mm -hmm. and asked them, you know, is there something wrong? They said, yeah, I had a bad experience with a seller who, when I left them a negative, left it for me. I'm never coming back to your site ever again. Mm -hmm. And we thought, oh, this is, this is an issue we have to deal with. So the decision was made to kind of go along with what the rest of retail is now and has traditionally been is that sellers don't rate buyers and that the inherent 
the, the, the stuff that's uh, kind of unique to eBay that does create situations where a seller may have a bad experience with a buyer, primarily a buyer who doesn't pay. That's their buyer's biggest obligation. And the eBay model was set up, for better or worse, where it's the only, it was the only place in the world where you could buy something. It was officially sold, and payment hadn't even been exchanged yet. And everywhere else on the Internet, the model was the item is not sold until the retailer, the merchant, the marketplace actually gets the money, and then the item was marked as sold and taken off the shelf. This created a situation where buyers, either for being forgetful or procrastinators or slow or maybe just change their mind, would be buying stuff it cost the seller time and money, and they weren't paying. So that was something we had to deal with. And mm -hmm. uh, where we kind of missed the boat, I think, is back when we made this change to feedback, we should have had something in place then that would really effectively deal with the issue of non-paying non buyers. And we couldn't. It took, it took yes. another year or two for us to actually get there. What have you done about that? So the, in the, what we've done since then is create a, uh, uh, something called a UPI assistant, unpaid item assistant, that allows for sellers... To opt, they can opt into this, and it will automatically create, start the process of what is called an, an, an unpaid item mm -hmm. by a non-paying buyer with the seller having to do nothing. After four days, if payment hasn't been received, the process starts on eBay. And um, the enhancements to the process are that uh, the buyer in such a situation can't leave negative feedback for the seller. Um, they still get a chance to pay, but if, you know, mm -hmm. if, it, if they don't, then uh, they're blocked off. The cancellation is, is the transaction is canceled, and the seller receives their fees back. I see. The next step in the evolution is something that's been that's taken a long time for eBay to have, which is uh, it's no secret now. It's coming. It's been tested in the UK and will be coming in the next year. It's a shopping cart. So shopping cart situation allows for buyers to put things in a cart. Nothing is considered sold until they pay. And how long do they have? Um, to pay, yes, as long as they want, or until somebody else buys the item. So, in the shop, in the way the shopping cart will work is if you uh, if you bought something from someone by putting it into your shopping cart, you haven't bought it yet. You've only put it in the cart. Uh, not until the time you pay or check out is the item sold. So that while it's in your cart, mm -hmm. somebody else can buy it. So the cart is not it's not closed. It's like someone else coming and seeing it's still on the shelf, and they buy it instead, and then you'll lose it. So it's, it'll change the dynamic. What's the, what's the psychology of that? I don't understand. I mean, isn't it kind of like watching an item and getting ready to buy it no. and then deciding? So if, it, if an item goes into somebody's shopping cart, no one knows but the buyer. The seller doesn't know this. The really? seller does not know that. The, the seller won't know that the item is in somebody's shopping cart. Mm -hmm. The item is still on the shelf in the online world. Uh, where the where the analogy kind of breaks down from the physical world to the online world is in a shopping cart situation on any website. When you put something in a shopping cart, it's not being reserved for you. If you don't end up buying that item, somebody mm -hmm. else could buy it out from under you, and it's and that's possible until checkout. So that's the industry standard for every single online website except eBay. Now, but is the psychology to the buyer thinking, oh, I have this in my shopping cart, you know, maybe I'll check out now, or maybe I'll check out before it's gone, and maybe they'll buy it quicker, or... Well, one has to assume that if you're shopping any place online, mm -hmm. right, online or offline, if you're actually putting things in a cart, you may change them, you may go through the cart and decide, well, maybe I don't want that, or maybe I want two of those, or maybe I want a different color, but ultimately... The reason why you're doing it, one has to assume, is that you're going to buy them. You're going to pay mm -hmm. for them. 
Where this eliminates the unpaid item is that none of these items in the shopping cart are sold yet. They're still on the shelf, mm-hmm. uh, uh, figuratively, yeah. or literally as well. When the buyer checks out now, and checkout involves payment, uh-huh. now the seller says your item's sold. They get the, they get the note that says it's yeah. sold and the item's been paid for. Now, these are for buy now only type items. It's for buy now, and uh, if you've won something in an auction, it goes into the cart as well, and it can't be removed if you've won. That, that's how it'll work. Um, what is another iteration down the road, which is a really difficult one, is to figure out a way so that when you win an auction, because it's different than committing to a purchase of a fixed price item, when you bid, you've already committed that if you, if you win the item, you're going to pay for it, mm-hmm. is to figure out a way for an auto-pay type of situation to happen. Where if the I bid on something and I won it, when I win it, the money is taken out of an account immediately. So and you can sign up for that. Uh, you can't sign up for it now because yeah. it doesn't exist. But I mean, once it's, once in, it's place, in place, it'll be something that the seller can deter would, would probably determine, not the buyer. The buyer would be alerted if you're going to put your bid on this. You have to be eligible for some sort of auto pay. The seller would say, I want any winning bidder to have to pay uh, immediately. The auto pay. That's a yeah. possibility. We don't, uh-huh. like I said, we're not sure how this is going to land eventually. It's very complicated and will be unlike anything else that's online right now. Okay. So. Going back to the shopping cart, are there reminders sent out to the person that owns the shopping cart that these items are? Probably. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Okay. Another rumor I've heard. <laughs> you hear a lot of rumors, <laughs> yeah. Martin. Yeah. Uh, kind of involved in it a little bit here is... Um, Shipping is going to be part of the seller's uh, responsibility, and that's that. And in other words, not being able to charge for shipping. Is that, is that a pure rumor? No, it's not. It's, it's, it is a rumor. We wouldn't. So currently, the buyer pays for shipping. The seller can set how much shipping costs. Uh, yeah, the rumor, I, this is a rumor. <laughs> is I that heard. we're going to require everyone for shipping for free? Is that it, no. shipping is going to have to be involved in the price of the sale? No. No, so that's a rumor. It could happen years from now. It could happen in the future. But we still would not, in in that scenario, should that ever happen, the seller still gets to set the price. If the price includes shipping, then they're still collecting it from the buyer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and the other part is that there was going to be some type of structural change in the shipping of items, like... Um, like set costs for shipping items. Well, so we tried that in a few categories, and uh, in one category, it's still in place in media, where we can, where we know that an item is of a set size and costs a set amount mm-hmm. to ship with domestically. Example: yeah. there are shipping caps in place. So, for shipping a DVD, uh, if you're providing a flat rate cost for shipping, um, it has to be within a certain. I think it's like four dollars or less mm-hmm. it can't be it can't be because then it's excessive uh if there is a situation where the package you're selling in dvds may be bigger than the standard you can just use the calculator to override that so as long as it's either within uh it's not above a, uh, the the cap for flat rate costs uh, or you're using the calculator to provide calculated shipping for exact cost which means that you know you have to use the right weight. You can't try to like game it so that you're charging more. And the reason for this, by the way, is that a lot of sellers who, in uh, any situation where a seller is pressed for margins, and the media category, DVDs, mm-hmm. game cartridges, CDs, 
these are really, really competitive categories right now. Yes. So the margins are slim. Mm -hmm. So sellers need to figure out how to make more money, and they were starting to use the shipping, and then that became a little bit more... We were getting into a situation where the shipping costs were going up and becoming excessive. That turns buyers off. So ultimately, it's bad for the entire marketplace. So in order to prevent that, we put those caps in place in that category. Uh, Whether we would cap other categories, think about it. It becomes really difficult because Mm -hmm. media standard, home and garden, Mm -hmm. clothing, shoes, and accessories, how do you standardize any of that? So uh, it'll be an ongoing situation where we're trying to figure out the best guidance and path. Um, The goal here is to use as many incentives for success as opposed to restrictions. Yeah, I see. So, for example, right now what we do is if you can if you can put all the cost of your shipping into the shipping of the item or or absorb some of it and you can say free shipping, mm-hmm. we're going to boost you up in search results. We're not going to penalize you for not, you know, we're not going to say you have to use free shipping, but if you do use free shipping, you get a boost in search. Wow, wow. So we're nearing the end of our part of Section 1. Uh, Griff, uh, what's your your real name, Griff? Oh, it's Jim Griffith. Jim Griffith. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if very many people use the Jim part. Anymore, so. Uh, okay. So this is going to wrap it up for session one, and stay tuned for session two. It's going to be up in two weeks from the time this airs. And this is Martin Willis with Griff, and we're both signing off. <laughs> While you are on our website, antiqueauctionforum.com, please stop by the forum message board. Click on the community tab at the top of the menu bar and you can join in on a topic, post your own website links, and do a lot more. Thanks so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's show.